Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Richard Wayne. In the program this week, the opening ceremony for the London Olympics is less than two weeks away and New Zealand swimming has a decent chance at a medal in the pool for the first time since Atlanta in 1996. I fancy a chance once I get into a final, you know, in any race. You know, I'm definitely a racer, I have shown that. So, you know, given the chance to be in a final, I can definitely see a medal being a prospect for myself. A very confident Wellington backstroker, Gareth Keane, coming up. Also in extra time this week, we preview the All-North Island Sudden Death ANZ Netball Championship Eliminator with former Silver Ferns coach Yvonne Willering. And we talk the Highlanders with coach Jamie Joseph, who's just signed on for another two years in Dunedin. First up, Radio New Zealand can confirm that a proposal is being discussed for a new free-to-air national sports television channel. A working group involving a number of national sports organisations has met with the Oceania Football Confederation about the idea. The OFC, which is of course backed by football's rich world-governing body FIFA, is understood to also be talking with free-to-air television provider Freeview about its idea, which involves producing sports coverage more cheaply than Sky Television and providing some real competition to the basic monopoly that Sky exerts in New Zealand. The OFC's head of television, Olivier Hook, didn't want to divulge any further details, but he says he'll be happy to talk about the new sports channel in a few weeks. We'll keep you posted. To rugby now, and the Young Hurricanes squads performed above expectations this super season, and coach Mark Hammond will have proved their many doubters wrong, regardless of where they end up finishing. After Hammett forced the acrimonious departure of Ma Nonu and Andrew Hoare, and fellow All Blacks Piriwepu and Hosea Gear also moved on, many were baying for the new coach's blood this year. But the inexperienced and youthful Hurricanes side has defied the odds to become genuine contenders, aside from a few disappointing slip-ups against sides they should have beaten. Hammett's unearthed a host of new young stars, such as Andre Taylor, TJ Perinara, Bowden Barrett and Brad Shields, and he's created a culture that both the senior and junior players seem to have bought into and are immensely enjoying. Jacob McSweeney spoke to senior Hurricanes squad member Victor Vito to debrief their season and the All Black Loose Ford's own form this year. It's actually been going alright, apart from uh, the little instances where I get ruled out for a few weeks with an injury. It's been a little bit annoying, probably one of the uh, seasons where I've been more injured than not, probably, I don't know, if I'm, I'm definitely not getting old hopefully, but uh, that might be what it is. But uh, yeah, just uh, annoying with injuries, but otherwise, you know, the team itself, uh, it's been pretty awesome. It's, uh, you know, the fact that we got to where we have so far has uh, been really pretty enlightening, really. It's pretty awesome. It must be hard to sort of keep up the consistent good performances when you have those sort of niggly two-week injuries. Yeah, it's um, like I say, it's definitely not something you ever plan for, but uh, that's part of the game. And if anything, it's just been a more of a test of mental resolve, just trying to you know brush it off and just fight to get back in that team because uh, got a lot of good talent. You know, got guys like Brad Shields that comes in and he owns the jersey when he comes in. Uh, got to just 
try and come back and put in a performance that uh, does justice to that Hurricanes jersey. And do you think you guys kind of being ridden off as judging on last season and this season sort of not really been given much of a chance this season, do you think that's done well for you guys, sort of flying under the radar? Yeah, I think uh, it served us well quite early, but uh, I think uh, we got onto that radar pretty quickly after a few few good wins. And um, yeah, it, uh, it served us well in terms of our own mentality, knowing that there, we had nothing to lose and we're still, we're still kind of like that, you know, we've got nothing to lose, we're still a young team, a lot to learn, but um, I think right now um, we've, we've banked up the youth excuse and really just, uh, you know, after a, nearly a whole season, uh, we just want to make sure that we have a good performance. Regardless of where we end up, you know, it's um, even if for some stupid reason we ended up 10th or whatever, I actually think yeah, it's been a great season, I really enjoyed the, the guys uh, this year and I think we've uh, achieved a lot of our goals, but... Um, It'll be uh, awesome if we're sniffing inside that top six. And, and next year, you guys have a year year together under your belts. Maybe a few new additions, more realistically looking at playoffs. Yeah, but um, I think at the start of the season, you don't really want to try and uh, think too much about it. But um, that's up to the coaches to reverse engineer and see how we go there. The Hurricanes' Lucy Victor Vito, and this is Extra Time, a web-only program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Richard Wayne. The former All Black Jamie Joseph left Wellington to push his coaching credentials in Dunedin two years ago. And Joseph's now re-signed as the Highlanders Super Rugby coach for a further two years till the end of the 2014 season. The Highlanders began this year promisingly with wins over the Chiefs, the Crusaders and the Hurricanes, who are still all in playoff contention as I speak. However, in the second half of the season, the Highlanders slipped off the pace and their season's now over. The 42-year-old Joseph says while the side's made progress over the past couple of seasons, he has unfinished business at the franchise, and he wants to take the Highlanders to a Super Rugby final. Joe Porter caught up with Jamie Joseph to discuss his reasons for wanting to stay in the Deep South. The majority of the team have, have come uh, two years ago, and, and uh, whilst we've you know, got a bit of credibility back in the, in the blue jersey, you know, there's a bit of work to do, and, and, and therefore you know, I'm, I'm committing... The, the staying on board as uh, the majority of the team and I just think it's exciting times ahead of us, Jay. You've obviously enjoyed your time down there. Was it an easy decision to make? Uh, I've enjoyed my time down here when I was a student. <laughs> Things are a little bit different this time around, but uh, look, you know, like I'm one of the uh, one of the leaders of the team. Um, take a lot of responsibility. Takes a lot of commitment to do the job. And, and as I said, it's just uh, I, I guess there's a nice good, good core group of, of players here that want to have a real crack at moving on and, and to be part of that's just exciting. You obviously, yeah, believe that core group of players you have got are capable of uh, achieving higher honours. Yeah, well, I mean, we had Jimmy Cowan was the only All Black when we turned up a couple of years ago. We've got six current All Blacks now, so things are on the on the improve. Um, we just got to keep going. How rewarding was it as a coach to see those guys playing in the All Blacks jersey? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a big motivator for me, I mean. You know, win, lose, or draw. If, you, if you're developing young men to go on and play for the All Blacks, which is, in my view, what it's all about, um, you get a real buzz from that as a coach. And so, you know, really proud of those guys. You know, particularly the guys that have fought back from adversity, like Ben Smith. Um, you know, he's been out, he's been in, he's come back, and he's he's worn the black jersey with pride and played bloody well. So, um, it's just it's just good to see. And you've got most of the guys coming back for next year, but a few positions to sort out, I guess. Someone to back up Aaron at halfback. Yeah, and I just think like, there's some real quality nines around the country, but there seems to be one in each team. And what I know uh, in my limited experience at the Super Rugby level, you've got to have a really good core of depth. And if you can get that and build that, then you know, and that's, you know the Crusaders and other teams that have gone on tend to have 25 to 30 good players as opposed to 15, and that's something that we'll be working on in the off-season. What would you give this season in terms of uh, a pass mark? 
Oh, well, I'll probably give it a six and a half or a seven. You know, we beat uh, the top teams in the competition, but obviously didn't do enough to make the playoffs, and that's what it was all about for us this year. So if you look at the outcome and results, we, we obviously failed, but it's a fine line, you know, between success and failure. We won enough games to, to probably be there, but bonus points for whatever other reason sort of counted against us. we just got to keep going. What is it about Highlanders rugby in particular that really, I guess, drew you there in the first place and has kept you there? Well, Hollanders rugby it was part of the reason, but just, I guess, in many ways, giving something back to the area that's given me so much, and just being able to just being able to give that back and, and, and create something down here has been really, really good. Must be quite a sort of strange feeling, I guess, ending the season with a bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although you know we've had a fair crack at the rugby, the first ten games, uh, and then we had one week off, and then we had the break in the middle. So, look, it's. It's seen of the year. The guys have uh, obviously relaxed in the last couple of three days. Um, beautiful day in Dunedin. Everyone's getting ready for a bit of a break. I guess you obviously feel vindicated now with your decision to go down to the Highlanders. No regrets, obviously? No, no regrets, though. Uh, you know, like at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a coach. Come down there, your, your job is to develop players and, and create a team. And create an environment that, that players want to be part of. And I, I guess to that extent, we're, we're going OK. Looking from the outside in, obviously you guys unfortunately haven't made the playoffs, but who do you think look like the teams to beat this time round? Oh, well, I think Stormers. The Chiefs are going to be, and the Crusaders are going to be difficult teams to beat, and you, you get the feeling that whoever has a home a home crowd to support them, and particularly between New Zealand and South Africa, will have their advantage. And as I say, the line's pretty tight and close, so uh, I think we'll go down to the wire with any of those sort of three or four teams. This is Extra Time. That's Highlanders coach Jamie Joseph speaking to our Joe Porter. Still to come, we talk with a potential Olympic medalist in the pool from Wellington. A place in the final of Nepal's Trans-Tasman competition beckons for either the Northern Mystics or the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic. The two sides play off in Auckland on Monday night to decide who will contest the final against the Melbourne Vixens. The Mystics missed out on the chance to go directly to the final by losing to Melbourne in the major semi, while the Magic fought their way back into title contention with 10 amazing winning weeks of sudden-death netball after they lost the first four games of the season. Our Stephen Hewson asked former Silver Ferns coach Yvonne Willering how she thought the playoff between New Zealand's top two teams would unfold. Certainly at the beginning of the season, I think most people would have, would have predicted a different top four. And I think one team that certainly would have been up there would have been the Firebirds. I mean, they've missed out this year, obviously. Uh, Magic didn't start the season very well, so the question was whether they were even going to make the top four. But now I think a lot of people are now saying, well, you know, they're now capable of going all the way. And I think they've shown us throughout, uh, you know, particularly the last run of games, you know, that they, they can match it up. They know what the intensity is like. They've had so many games now where they've had to win and they go obviously into this semi-final with that same frame of mind. Do you get a sense that the Mystics are fading? Yeah, they haven't been consistent over four quarters uh, in any game. You know, they've had leads and then they've let it slip. Uh, but then having said that, Magic had a terrible second quarter against Thunderbirds last week and certainly Mystics would have been aware of that. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very much on the night, to be honest. Uh, it'll be about unforced errors and wasted opportunities more than anything else. The fact, though, that the Magic have come back from that horror start must, must give them a, a huge amount of confidence and also like you mentioned that that second quarter that they had in that game against Adelaide that they know within themselves what they can do. 
Yeah, yeah, I think some of them, and certainly Irene Van Dijk alluded to it, you know, after that first quarter, they suddenly felt, hey, listen, we can actually win this game, you know, and that's probably the worst thing you can do where you're looking at an outcome rather than the performance. So, yeah, they're very aware they can peg it back. I mean, they certainly had aspects of luck, but listen, they, they're they there now, and they will not want to waste this opportunity. So I think the momentum must lie slightly more with Magic at this stage. Where do you think the Mystics might have an edge over the Magic? Uh, probably their whole through court play. I mean, everyone's saying, you know, it's going to be about the the battle of the of the circles where you've got your Latu, Tutaia against De Bruyne and Williams, and at the other end, Van Dijk, Naupu against Harrison and Cullen. But I actually don't think it's going to be about that. I think it's going to actually be about the midcourt, how that ball is brought through the midcourt. Magic, and I've spoken about it on lots of occasions, you know, if Irene is stable in the back and she's not going in the helping out mode, then, you know, she's a huge target for them back there. Similarly with the Mystics, uh, sometimes Catherine Latu gets caught running out of the circle, you know, and they need her as a steadying influence in the circle. I mean, she's a very accurate shooter, but she shoots within close distance, so they need to be able to deliver the ball to them. So I actually think it's going to be more the battle of the midcourt, and probably with Timmy Parra George there, uh, you know, they probably have a slight edge, although having said that, I think that Laura Langman certainly is playing well at the moment, as are the other two players around her, and I think that is how Magic have lifted their performance. Shadrock and obviously also Watts is now performing and everyone is, you know, (laughs) taking on the role. And it's going to be very much about that. Whichever team works as a team. Does Laura Langman still have a tendency to be inconsistent, though? While she can be brilliant at times, there's, there's inconsistency that seems to creep into her game. Yeah, and she gets uh, same. She gets caught in that helping out mode, and I think that's uh, like one of the reasons why Casey Williams is in the goal defence position there rather than the bone is I think they think that she's got a slight edge on the attacking play. So you have a look at it. She's feeding the ball right up from the transverse line, and so is Shadrock. And I think that's what needs to happen so that Langman can then go into the shooting third, the attacking third, and deliver quality ball to to her feeders. I think sometimes she's a little bit guilty of trying to help out others. Can you see either of these teams going on then to beat Melbourne, though? Yeah, it's interesting. Yes, I do. Um, you know, Melbourne at home is going to be very hard to beat. And boy, they certainly, uh, you know, put it together for well, the majority of four quarters against Mystics. You know, a lot of people have been surprised that they, they've been there because they haven't got the so-called stars that are present in other teams. Or they've, they've got a wonderful defensive unit. And I think their attacking end is starting to gel. But I think the one thing that Vixens do well is that they don't make too many unforced errors and everyone takes responsibility. Responsibility. So, yeah, it's going to take a giant effort to, to beat Vixens on home soil, but either of these two teams, yeah, is capable of it on any given day. So you're picking a, a magic win over the Mystics to then go on and reach the final? <laughs> oh, it is a really hard one to, to call, but I would say that uh, probably Magic will go in with a little bit more momentum because they know these pressure games. They've had so many now in a row where they've had to win it, whereas Mystics haven't been in that position. And even that prelim final against Vixens, they knew they were always going to have a second opportunity. So it is slightly different. So I guess the momentum must be a little bit with the, with the Magic. And even though uh, Mystics have home court advantage, I think you know there's going to be quite a few Magic supporters there on the night. You expect it to be close rather than blow out at any point? 
Oh, I think it'll be close, yeah, um, very much so. Both these teams very aware of each other's strengths and weaknesses. So, uh, yeah, I'm expecting a very close game. I found it interesting that Magic Thunderbirds, a lot of people thought that would not be a close game, that uh, Magic would win that easily. And now I always thought that was going to go down to the wire. This is semi-finals netball. It is slightly different. Teams generally don't play with the flair and the openness. You know, they're, they're quite protective and they will hold on to the ball rather than then throw it away. So, yeah, I hope that, and that's why I'm saying the team that it's the midcourt, if they have, you know, the confidence to let that ball into the circle, you know, that's the team that will win. Yvonne Willering talking to Stephen Hewson. Finally, it's 16 years since the New Zealand swimmer won a medal in the pool at the Olympics, but there are hopes that medal drought could end in London. The Wellington backstroker and Commonwealth Games silver medalist Gareth Keane is among several up-and-coming swimmers who are gaining recognition at international level. Once again, Stephen Hewson's on the case. He speaks with Gareth Keane about his Olympic effort and how his career has developed since the Commonwealth Games in Delhi two years ago. Keane says the underwater side of his game needed to lift. Since 2010 at the Commonwealth Games, you know, even before that we knew that I had a significant weakness compared to the rest of the world in it. But um, it became a motivation to improve my swimming ability through the underwater work. And so since then I have been very conscious of how I am underwater compared to the rest of the world and um, where I can make significant leaps in my swimming ability when I race. So uh, this is, you know, quite a main feature of my training at the moment. Where, where do you think you've got to over the last 12, 18 months? Yeah, right? I've certainly improved. Um, you know, even at last year's World Champs in Shanghai, back in August, I made a considerable leap in my 100, dropping almost a second and just a certain skill set. So that was within 30 metres of the race. And, you know, and the rest of the swimming ability stayed here or there the same. And so since then, you know, everything else has kicked in. So getting um, such an incredible um, leap from just a certain underwater works has meant that I'm um, getting closer and closer every day to, um, you know, the top people in the world. You've qualified for the 100 and 200. Have you got a preference? No, I don't seem to. Like, I, I do like the 100, you know, the 100's a great race. There's a lot of skill involved in terms of the fact that every single race you race in the 100, you um, never get near your time if you screw one little minor detail up. So it's almost about being religious on how you, you know, work each race. And it's got a lot of speed involved, which I'm slowly building up through the training of my underwater work. And, you know, so it's a bit funner than the 200, I guess. The 200 takes a bit longer. and It's a different sort of training sort of style as well between the 100 and 200. But I'm um, definitely aiming for both of them to be, you know, top contenders at this year's Olympics. The fact that you enjoy the 100 more over the 200, does that then present itself as you tend to do better in that? Uh, occasionally. I'd say, like, last year I was aiming towards doing a lot of work in the underwater work, which rubbed off in the 100 given the fact that my endurance of those skills weren't quite up to scratch. And so come this year at our trials, my 200 did take a, another step forward in terms of it was a lot easier to swim the sort of times I was swimming in 2010. And so I guess it does in some ways make a, you know, a fun race, so normally you do swim a little better in it. But you know, generally every race I swim, I do try to swim as best I can. What about building up to it? Because as you say, that the 200's a longer event. How do you work for your training between a sprint race and a longer race? They're similar enough in terms of you want to get a good aerobic base um, pre, like pre-season or going into the first segment of your um, season or cycle of your season. And so you just kind of build off that base for the 200 and continuing keeping your stroke efficiency up, which is also beneficial for the 100. So one and the other, they bounce off each. But uh, I guess for the 100, a lot more gym work is needed.
you find it difficult motivating yourself for that, or is it no, just no. A, a nice change? Yeah, the gym's a great change, and I do three to four sessions of gym a week. It's quite beneficial in being able to be in a different atmosphere compared to the pool, and it um, gives you another way to work on your strengths or weaknesses in terms of, you know, a lot of my underwater work came from a lot of gym work, and obviously um, the skills and how you work in the um, water afterwards. But uh, it's just it's just nice to be out of the pool sometimes and still know that you're kind of training to achieve your goals. Where do you think you stack up in the, both, both the 100 and 200? I mean, there's talk that, that hopefully New Zealand can get a medal at these games from the from the pool. Yes. I mean, do you fancy your chances more in the 100 or the 200? I fancy a chance once I get into a final, you know, in any race. You know, I'm definitely a racer. I have shown that over the last few years in terms of every chance I've been given to step up, I have. And so, you know, given the chance to be in a final, I can definitely see a medal being a prospect for myself. But, um, you know, there's not going to be any pressure on me um, putting that sort of um, position. I'd rather just see what happens and obviously do my best to get into that position. So who are the big, the top guns in the, um, the 100 and the 200? Top names, I guess, uh, for the 100 would be Camille Lecourt from, of France. Uh, along with, in the 200, there's Ryan Lochte of US. Hey, I'm not too really. I'm not too sure if Ryan's going to be doing the 100 come Olympics. Um, there's a possibility there. Along with them, there's a boy um, Uri from Japan, and you know a mixture of other swimmers that kind of range between the both. Do you have much of a relationship with those guys, or, or do you only pretty much see each other as you, you line up at the pool? Uh, you see them now and again. You know, you, obviously there's always a friendly hello around the pool deck. But uh, once you get to those competitions, especially pre-racing, you know you all focus on what's going to be the best for your swims. You just really don't need to socialise that until after races. But uh, you know, there's obviously a rivalry between all of us, as there always is in any competition. But I'd say there's always a friendliness about it as well. It really is um, a hard sport where you train day in and day out for a race that can last less than a minute. And so, you know, come that race, it's uh, it's really important just to have fun and realise you've done everything you possibly could or everything you did do is going to revolve around this one race and to give it your best shot and so the pressure doesn't really um, resolve like primarily on my race. You know, I like to like have a little bit of pressure just because it kind of turns into a positive energy come to a race because you try to do the best for yourself but even more your country. Did you see yourself getting here to the to the London Olympics? I mean how much or how long has that been a goal for you? You know, I think that's any swimmer's dream. You know, the Olympics is the pinnacle event for our most sporting bodies, and swimming is one of the ones in particular. So yeah, it's been a dream for a long time, and I have seen it ever since making that 2010 Commonwealth team. The dream was even closer. You know, only two years down the track, I had to prepare myself for, and I think I've done a good job. Olympic hopeful Gareth Keane speaking with Stephen Hewson. And that's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radioNZ.co.nz. You can, of course, get the latest sports news anytime on our website, radioNZ.co.nz, while we'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next week. I'm Richard Wayne. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 